everyone! Welcome to episode two of Raising a Reader and Storyteller. As promised, this week we're going to be focusing on strategies for optimum parent-child interaction whilst reading. So getting your children to engage and pay attention and soak up all that phenomenal stuff that comes out of books. We're also going to take you through the benefits of reading. So we've got Sunita with us today as well, and she's going to talk a little bit about parent-child interaction. Brilliant. Hi, Beedle. How are you? I'm really looking forward to this episode, actually, because it's really great about engaging children. Because we talk about books and we really want children to engage with books and, and not see it as something, oh, I've got to sit down and learn, I've got to sit down and read. And, and this is where it really helps with improving the interactions at home and interactions with your children to take that little special time out and sit with a book and read with your children, but really engage in the book in the most interactive way. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to look at some core strategies to begin with that really helps you just set the scene while you're sitting there and kind of reading with your little ones. And as we establish our readers, you know, the strategies will change, but it's about really having that collaborative approach to reading as well when they're not so independent within their reading. So should we go through some strategies, Beedle, that we've been using with our little ones? Yes, Yes, I think that's a great idea. I think it makes all the difference. And one of the things that is so interesting is when I see pictures in magazines or Google images or when you see parents reading with your children, I always see a child on a parent's lap or sitting next to them with the book in front of them. Now, one thing that's really important is to to be face to face with your child, because if the child is on your lap and you're facing the book and the child's facing the book, yes, you're both looking at the book together, but how are they going to learn when you're you're making exciting facial expressions or they know it's their turn to talk or how are they going to learn new words and sound formations and with my speech and language therapy hat on here it's so important that when you're with your child you you'll be face to face so maybe if you're sitting on a sofa or something together that you can both glance side to side and see each other's faces so you're following their interest with the book and if I helping them to imitate your actions and sounds and gestures, especially when they're little, because you add so many more actions and sounds with the earlier books. What do you think, Beedle? Yes, I totally agree. And you let them lead, because when they're leading, they're invested, they're engaged. And let, yeah. you know, let's just carry on and not interrupt that, that amazing process that's going on. I know. And I think one of the sayings that I had from a speech therapy book a while ago is um, children who lead get the language that they need. (laughs) (laughs) So true. Oh my God, that's so true. And literature is all about offering up that language that they need to express themselves, right? Like, Yeah, definitely. Because it really creates a high interest situation and it gives you a chance to use lots of expressions in your voice. You can keep your words simple. If the words that they don't understand, then you can explain it to them and then you're both in that interaction together and it feels like a kind of two-way interaction rather than you just reading that book to them and once upon a time the end right let's go to bed you know you want them to relate to things outside that book as well absolutely and I think it's so easy to get sucked into that sort of boring you know reading this book black and white and then that's the end and I'm done yeah it's it's 
it, I mean, it's pointless. Um, so I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. And it helps also interpret what your child's saying. So they're looking at things and, mommy, what's that? Or, or what does that say? Or, or what does that look like? Then you've got that eye contact there to share that kind of interaction. And it's so important when you're looking at a book, don't always feel that you've got to read. If they're introduced to new vocabulary, you can say to them, oh, let's have a look at this word. Is it a guava or is it a pineapple? So you can offer them choices and let them choose the words in order to build their vocabulary, which is such a key thing that reading helps to do and more than anything it really sustains the element of excitement and passion isn't it (laughs) yes no absolutely and it's about reading and it's like you said it's about letting them lead but I think sometimes as parents we get so caught into what's this what does a duck say what does this say and they always say with parents we all have different styles throughout the day um, there's a reference to Hannon it's a program that I've used um called it takes two to talk and they describe parents in different kind of entities so you get your joker parent who might be the one that's always joking laughing throwing the round messing around you get that on the go parent which I can be sometimes made like right put your shoes on put your coats on right with all of us as being parents we all kind of take on different roles and our roles can depend on our mood it can depend how busy we are it can be- depend on what might have happened during the day and how the kids are feeling too and um, I use a program under speech and language therapy called it takes two to talk and it's by a company called Hannon and it's really interesting because they talk about different parents roles within the interactions and they describe roles such as you get on the go parents so it's the parent that's constantly rushing going right quick put your shoes on put your coats on mommy's got to go to work here's your lunch right come on sit down and get to dinner we've got a meeting you know so they're constantly on the go rush rush rush. (laughs) sounds Uh, a little bit like me (laughs) we all are at some point I definitely have to say but sometimes children miss interactions in that because everything's going so fast that they miss that little time out to have that special time and then you kind of get the joker parents who were always messing about throwing the kids up in the air jokes always tickling you know that we all take on those roles too and then you get the kind of tester teacher parents so they'll sit with a book and go what's that what's this called what does a duck say where does this go who lives on the farm so they're constantly testing with that approach you know there's a time and a balance for that and it's better to say offer choices like is it an apple or a pear because they can choose from what you've said rather than what's that or who's that or what does that say yeah it feels very directive yeah it feels a little less suffocating it feels a little bit more exploratory and inviting And that's where kids will kind of back off when they're thinking actually we're we're sitting here and they're just testing me to see what I'm doing (laughs) <laughs> and it's not a lot about control isn't it that's yeah. you know constant fighting the parent wants the control i think with parents we're so ingrained with right you've got a game this is the rules this is you play it here's an inset puzzle you put the pu- pieces of the puzzles in here is a um 
uh, spinning top, you do it like this, but the child wants to change it into an alien spaceship. That's great because it's imagination. Now, if we're not letting go of always being so controlling with our adult model, that's where we have to adapt that even when we're reading with books. Yes. Because if we do all of that, the children stay so much longer in the interaction, don't they? Yes, absolutely. And you know, for, for an intimate conversation where you're, where there's, you know, that parent child and intimacy, you do need that open space where, you know, the dynamic isn't being called in, in one direction. So I get it. Definitely. And more than anything, you know, just enjoy it. Enjoy what comes from their little brains because it's fascinating sometimes, I have to say. Some of the things they come out with is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's amazing my three-year-old mentioned the word vaccine the other day that we have to keep washing our hands till we have the vaccine I'm like oh where did wow. you get that? I mean look how much new vocabulary with that with all the COVID going on yeah. lockdown yeah. coronavirus my one never calls it coronavirus he's very official he's like COVID-19 <laughs> incredible it's just yeah so it's <laughs> just a few more tips really like you said let them choose the books you don't have to just choose a book and get them to sit down like we were talking about last week you know I'm sure they'll keep choosing the same book but give them a range of books to sit make sure you're always easy for he or she to kind of see you you know let them turn the pages if they go to the back of the book then come in the middle or change the front that's okay let them be in charge and as long as they're engaged that's all we want patience is really a virtue in, in this moment in that sort of parent chat in, interaction it but. is it's giving them time isn't it giving them extra time so making sure when you have these special times with books is program that special time into your day don't feel that you've got to do something else in between turn your phone off turn the tv off all the background noise and your child will really appreciate that one-to-one time with you and it's really about listening to what they're saying and responding to any kind of comments they make and talking about what they're seeing and can they relate it back to personal experience because asking too many questions or maybe engaging them in a way that they really want to continue this and they see it as a really fun time with with their parents their carers to sit down and enjoy special time should there be a routine or should it be as and when you can fit it in i mean we've started to do drawing challenges in the afternoon at the moment where my (laughs) we're my parents at the moment so my dad will give us something to draw and then we'll draw three things and we'll make a story up from it so i would say do it in the interactions where you you've got time with your children you're not feeling that you're going to rush to have to do something else or you're trying to look at your phone and answer emails or calls coming in try to carve out times in the day i don't think it always has to be the same time but people do like a routine and i do like a routine my kids to have books before bed but now they ask for it so yeah, not, which is great. Would you like 10 minutes working <laughs> thinking I can skip story time? They're like, but mummy, will we have the book afterwards? I went, right, you can choose 10 minutes extra on the TV or book time. And they're like, come <laughs> <laughs> It's just awesome. It's brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, as and when, but I would say, you know, trying to keep it as consistent so the, the child knows what's happening and yeah. you know, really enjoy it. Add signing, add voices in. For the younger kids, Makaton's a great way to engage them because 
one Makaton sign, which is a bit like baby sign, incorporates just one thing. So if you sign cat, you're holding like your two fingers from your nose outwards and they know it's a cat. And children learn vocabulary so much more when they've got visual stimulus with it. So example you talked about an elephant they might have seen an elephant a thousand times and their brain has now programmed that if something's big if something's gray if something's got tusks it's an elephant but then if we read about a duckbill platypus it's very difficult for them to relate to the kind of strange beaky beavery type creature that lives in a dam or Yeah. Whereas if a visual of it, their brain can start processing, storing those semantics and the links and meanings of what makes that duckbill platypus that, and then they save the words. Yes, so it's making it very experiential for them. I guess when you're doing those hand movements, it's very kinetic, plus the visual, um, plus Definitely. the audio, because they're listening to it. That's actually a really excellent tip. Yeah. So what I want to know as well is we always talk about books and the benefits of books and you know there's such a big thing about books and kids and learning and this but books bring so many different benefits and as a bibliotherapist as well but it'd be great to hear a bit more from you about where you see the benefit of books. Yes absolutely so as you mentioned initially sharing books is a very intimate experience for the parent and child and there's a level of closeness that you are engaging in as you're sharing an experience. And I think literature really evokes that sort of special intimacy as a result. Definitely. Um, And I'd also say that we always talk about feeling connected and feeling connected to people, etc. But books are actually a form of connection. If you're connecting with a book, if you're connecting with their characters, you're fulfilling that inner social need. And when we connect a child to to the world through books, they are learning, they are developing their sort of emotional and cognitive intelligence through what they are vicariously experiencing. They're putting together language and syntax that is allowing them to express how they're feeling. And that in, it, in itself is quite freeing for them. So that's actually very important giving somebody the language to express how they're feeling so books are a great way for parents and children to talk about things that they don't see every day or prepare them for daunting situations for example going to see a dentist or visiting a doctor or starting your first day at nursery i remember when ariana was starting nursery and we gave her this book to read called The Kissing Hand and it was all about saying goodbye to mummy when she left and giving her the confidence that mummy will come back and now there's so many resources like that. Yeah there's just such a shift on books isn't there like especially currently in the climate that we're in you know mental health is such a prominent topic and the book world's really kind of followed that. I work with kids in a school aged 13 to 16 and a lot of these kids have been in care homes, they've been abused, they've been neglected but even in my own practice at the moment there's a lot of children who suffer from autism and ADHD and even children without underlying difficulties there seems to be 
so much more when it comes to developing self-esteem and self-confidence. I've been using a set of books by a writer called Poppy O'Neill, who looks at kind of, I am awesome, you are a star, there's no need to worry. And there's so many more books like that for children out there. I know in schools they are really big on using the Big Life Journal when it comes to all of that kind of more social emotional behavior regulation and I think books is a great tool to do that because sometimes they can't accept it themselves but when they read another child going through another story of it happening then they can open up and relate to it and communicate yes absolutely all of a sudden I think you just feel a little lighter because you've just seen somebody else like yeah it's not just me it's that whole it's not just me kind of scenario is it (laughs) You know, problem shared is like a problem halved and you're definitely sharing this experience of the character in the book so they are such a great resource and i've got um, so on my website i've got these free a to z reading lists for all sorts of things and sort of courage emotional development anxiety and age-appropriate recommendations for those kinds of issues i'd suggest checking that i'll put that in the on the podcast page Brilliant. Um, That'd be really useful, actually. Yeah. Charles, familiar with books so they can just understand that there's, it opens up a whole world of so many different things. It's a great companion, isn't it? <laughs> it's such a great companion. And the nice thing about the book is that it's permanent. It's there. It can be read over and over again and the pictures looked at again. And I think every time you read a book, you learn something new and so repetition is a great thing and it's also great for when you're learning language so read it a few times and help them to just express themselves in a different way yes exactly and it's also the familiarity of the book so I think when they start becoming more and more familiar with the book and they you know they can start taking turns reading it or giving them you know the opportunity to learn critical analysis adding to the development of you know comprehension style thinking so that they are actually now not just reading the books but processing it and drawing opinions and inferring some insight uh, which is great for cognitive development and critical thinking. Exactly. And that's what we see, you know, you can extend on it because like you've said, when a child gets older and we're looking at our older readers, there's so much more communication demands on the language element. And we yeah. move to a lot more high a level verbal reasoning. Yeah. So they're looking at problem solving and predicting events and cause and effect and things like that which are skills that start to develop as they get older five years onwards yeah that's right one of the things I always recommend to my niece and nephew which is write a book review after you've read something because that's really drawing on that verbal reasoning and skills and critical thinking skills you're now having to write what you thought about this book and it's consolidating your thoughts and insights so definitely get your kids if they're old enough get them to write book reviews and what they've read it's it's yeah last podcast episode we're going to try and get some of our little monkeys on <laughs> yeah that's right oh my god I'm tell you a bit that. about books I've already told Mike so he's like yeah mummy I'm on it I'll do all of your books what else can we teach our amazing listeners about the benefit of books Beedle yeah so the other thing I'd say is that books are excellent coping mechanisms for difficult times reading is 
truly going to save the day. The right book for the right situation can really help reassure children and teach them to stay calm. You know, allows them to stay present, stay focused on the pages and words. It's almost like a meditation of some sort or mindfulness, you know, sort of mindful reading, teaching them to stay calm. So I would recommend um, reaching out to a book whenever you're sort of feeling anxious and need some escapism or want to just feel a lot more calm. Yeah, no, definitely. I was wondering if you wanted to elaborate on um, the benefits of social stories, because I know you use them in your work. Yes. Now, social stories are really great because what they really help to do is get a child. So like you were talking about the doctors or going to the dentist or potty training or starting something new. Traditionally, it has been used for special needs children. And it was actually a concept that was devised by a lady called Carol Gray. And it was in 1991. And she used social stories for children who were on the autistic spectrum disorder. And the objective is to share information, which is often through a description of events occurring around the subject and why it happens. So then the child really gets a chance to kind of relate to that thing that might be happening to them and not be maybe too scared because they've seen a little boy sit in a dentist chair, have their teeth checked, they get a stick up. So they now know that actually when I go to the dentist, I'm going to sit on the chair, they're going to look in my mouth and I'm going to get a sticker. So it really helps them to kind of prepare themselves for experiences. So that's why I think social stories are great. And one of the best things about social stories are you can make your own up. You know, yes. take pictures of your child and make your own books as well. So you can say, all oh, right, we went to the dentist. And next time they go to the dentist, you can say, oh, remember last year you went to the dentist. This is where it was. And this is how we got there. And this is who the dentist was. So then yes. it's familiar because sometimes children get scared of things that they've not experienced before. And that's where social stories really, really start to help. Yes, as you said, preparing them for something that's daunting and getting them to write their own narratives. So now they know what to expect and it should definitely be extended to to non-special needs children as well. Yeah, because they kind of present information in a more literal, concrete way, which might kind of improve a person's understanding or previous difficulty or ambiguity on the situation. So, yeah, I think they're great. Absolutely brilliant. Awesome. If you've got any social links, uh, social story links, Sunita, we we should put them into the onto the podcast. Definitely, I will do. The other thing I would suggest is also book therapies, reading affirmation cards. If you're looking to use reading as a coping mechanism, the goal here is to read these daily. And what's wonderful about these cards is. A, not only are they great as a coping mechanism, but they also help to establish a love for reading early on. So they really double up as empowering children to use reading as a coping strategy and tool and to fall in love with reading overall. So these cards can be found on my website and I'll put a link on the podcast page at the end as well. Yeah, amazing. That would be really, really good. Brilliant. So is there anything else we need to go through? I know we've got 
lots more podcasts <laughs> with some very exciting so more podcasts what we're going to be looking at in episode three is the importance of developing vocabulary why is rich and extensive vocabulary so important to your child's success so that's definitely one you don't want to miss out on yes exactly i'm super looking forward to that because i love scrabble and i love vocabulary and i love winning scrabble so i love knowing as well. <laughs> so i can't wait for this episode um, Brilliant. well thanks for today thank you everybody for listening and we really look forward to you to tuning into our episode three out of eight thank you sunita it's been a pleasure